Finding Quiet Time. Welcome, it's another look into the life and message of Elizabeth Elliot, who called us to live to a higher standard, to not be satisfied with just a little empty religion in life. As this series continues in the coming weeks, we'll hear from friends, from family, from others who were influenced by her life and message. Well, we continue with our series on child training. It's a 10-part series, and we're on three and four today. Our topics, quiet time and unconditional love. Later on, we'll hear about what kind of mother Elizabeth was, and we'll hear from her only child, Valerie Elliott Shepherd. Later on, we'll check on a program review and hear about the website and social media of the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation. But first, let's get to part three of child training, quiet time. You are loved with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says. And underneath are the everlasting arms. This is your friend, Elizabeth Elliott, conversing again today with my daughter, Valerie Shepard, who is the mother of eight children and has many questions about the validity of her own treatment of her children. She has very real struggles in knowing how and when to punish the children. She finds herself sometimes irresolute, not knowing what to do or whether to do it. Val, I wonder if you ever have a problem deciding what kind of punishment a child needs. You've got children ages 19 down to 3, so you've had a lot of experience in trying to decide what is the best form of punishment. Yes, it's been with the older ones, of course, that I've thought that spankings weren't appropriate and needed, and they needed privileges taken away. And so often I can't think of what exactly, what privilege I should take away. And that would be probably with my 10-year-olds and up. Right now I'm having a struggle with teaching my 10 and 12-year-old boy and girl to be kind to each other, to listen to each other respectfully, to have normal conversations, not always arguments. I think taking away the privilege of staying up a little later, for example, my 12-year-old stays up about an hour later than the 10-year-old, and sending him to bed earlier is sometimes the best punishment. It's the worst for him. It's the best for, for him to learn his lesson. Another punishment I've found, and your question was, do I struggle with wondering what it is? Yes, I do. But the ones that I have used consistently and enough times to realize that they've worked with the children are either putting them to bed early, earlier than they used are used to going to bed, or getting them up earlier than they're used to getting up. Because all of my children, except my four-year-old, love to sleep in. So if I tell them they must get up at 6 o'clock in order to talk with me and in order to do some extra chores, that's a punishment although I don't like using chores or housework as a punishment because I want them to learn to love work and not not see it only as punishments. But usually after a good little talk with them early morning before anybody else is up uh, and after giving them a list of things that they need to do, by the end of that time they're quite cheerful and glad that they're up before everybody else and come out wonderfully. So I know that that's been a good punishment to get them up earlier. Uh, with the teenagers, definitely taking away the privilege of going to do something with friends. 
has been the best punishment. We haven't had to use it very much, just a very few times. Well, we're talking about love's demands. God has to punish his children from time to time, and it is the very demonstration of his love. And that's a pretty hard concept to get across to a little child. I spank you because Because I love you. I love you. Mm And when a parent says, this hurts me worse than it hurts you, of course, the child's not going to believe that Mm -hmm. until he becomes a father. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. John Calvin said this about self-denial. We are not our own, but the Lord's. How extremely difficult it is for you dutifully to seek the advantage of your neighbor, and of course, that can be your children, unless you quit all selfish considerations and almost forget yourself. How can you perform the duties which Paul teaches to be works of love unless you renounce yourself and devote yourself wholly to others? I find that my morning, my mornings have to be given wholly to my children, not the whole afternoon, but the mornings do have to be given wholly to my children because I'm homeschooling the 14-year-old on down to the four-year-old, and I have to renounce my own desires in loving housework. (laughs) I would much rather be doing housework than paying attention to a detail of uh, teaching or detail of disciplining. But I do try to give my whole morning to what the children need to be learning and, and doing with their time. Then we have the quiet time in the afternoon that I've already mentioned, and that's important for them and for me. And then in the after the quiet time, I often give a little bit more time to one of the children with the schoolwork. And uh, from then on, the children are pretty much playing happily with each other or with other ch- neighborhood children. But uh, a mother at home has to be careful that she may feel like she's giving all of her time to others just because she's at home, but it's very easy to slip into doing your own thing. Even though there are crowds of people around you, you can be off reading a book and not paying any attention to the chaos that might be happening with your children. I'm sure somebody must have asked you, Val, don't you have any time for yourself? Oh, yes. Um, I say that my favorite best time of the day is early morning before anybody else gets up. And I call that time for myself because I believe that's the time the Lord uses to help me get ready for the day. And it's it's both selfish and uh, God-centered during that time because I, I love to, ha- to get up before everybody else. I love to have my devotions. I see myself sometimes wasting time puttering about doing things that, you know, if I don't watch my time carefully, I'm not on schedule with getting my walk in and then getting breakfast. I have to get the children up before I get the breakfast started. and uh, So I have to be careful and uh, on my toes in how I spend that time. But I would say that's time for myself, but it's time really to prepare myself for the day. And the Lord renews me and refreshes me through his word. And I also love that little nap time during quiet time in the afternoon. I do regularly take a 10 to 15 minute nap. I lie down with the two youngest children and they fall asleep and I fall asleep and then I get up and they're still sleeping for another hour and a half or two. Could you give us a hint of just briefly what that early morning quiet time includes? 
Well, I think it's important to have some kind of system of reading the Bible and not just to hope that you're going to flip open to something good. I think to make up your mind for one month that you're going to read the book of Ephesians or that you're going to read a gospel. Or some people, of course, find that just reading straight through the Bible year after year is what they like the best. And I think as long as there is a system, the Lord's going to use that system to feed you daily. And I know Amy Carmichael's system was she would just read, asking the Lord to speak to her, and she would read until she came to the verse that she felt the Lord was specifically saying, this is the one I want you to meditate on. And so that could be three verses or it could be two chapters. So I do read almost always a psalm first, and then I go to one other book in the Bible that I'm reading through. And then I often have my prayer notebook open at that time, and I may, I may pray right after I've read the scripture, or I may go to my uh, women's Bible study book that currently that's what we're reading. We're reading Treasures of Encouragement by Sharon Betters. And she has daily readings and daily questions and assignments about the readings, uh, learning to encourage other people. And so that's what I'm doing right now. And then I also use Amy Carmichael's Edges of His Ways. And in the past, I've used the same book that you've quoted from many times, Joy and Strength by Mary Wilder Tilliston. And I have several different books that I could choose from to read, although, again, I tend to waste a little bit of time just trying to decide what should I read something else or should I get up and should I have my prayers then and so anyway it it includes the Bible reading the prayer time there's usually a list of about 10 or 12 people although I keep wanting to ask the Lord just to keep reminding me through the day of people to pray for instead of just saying here's my list and I'm done with my list uh, I have often in the past used the intervarsity hymnal to read through hymns and sing them to myself, sing them to the Lord. And then I get up and I take a walk, usually about a 30-minute walk, and then I get back and wake up the children between quarter of seven and seven o'clock. So that's what takes up my quiet time. Since we're talking about love's demands, quiet time comes under that heading, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Love demands self-sacrifice, self-denial, self-giving, and you are repeatedly, daily, giving yourself to God and opening your heart to listen to what God wants to say to you. That beautiful hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, has the line in it, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And it isn't as though God is a harsh master waving a whip over us mm -hmm. because we must do this. This is the appropriate demand of love. Mm -hmm. This is the measure, the least measure that we can offer to him. Mm -hmm. And that is the place which you've so clearly shown us where you receive the strength for today. And I think it's so important to have that first thing in the morning. Do you think it makes any difference? It definitely makes a difference to my day, but I also want to say to those who might be thinking, boy, how can she do that every day? I don't do it every day. There are some mornings when my husband is up at the same time as I am, and he really wants to spend time with me talking to me and or taking a walk or praying with me. And so I don't get, I selfishly want to disappear if he wakes up and I want to have my own time in my closet. And 
part of love's demands for me then is to give myself to my husband in, in listening and talking with him and taking a walk if he wants to do that. So I don't get that wonderful time seven days a week, but I would say at least four or five days a week I'm doing that in my closet. I have a sort of a large closet, so I can actually go into my closet to have quiet time. Thank you so much, Val. We're talking about love's demands and the love of God that is poured through us. The more we learn to love him, the more he gives us grace to love other people, especially those whom we find hard to love. Quiet Time, Part 3 in Child Training. And coming up in just a little bit, unconditional love is our topic. But first, as we're thinking about child training, let's hear Valerie Elliott Shepherd. What kind of a mother was Elizabeth? She died in 2015, and I prayed and prayed and prayed for the last 10 years of her life that the Lord would heal her of dementia. God didn't answer that prayer. But my mother's love for me was deep and abiding and wonderful. And that's why I said she was practically perfect in every way. Um, I don't feel that I was spoiled. She expected me to work. She expected me to obey. She did not pour out tons of gifts and things upon me, though when she did buy clothing for me or a gift for Christmas or birthday, she was generous and kind. And when she saw me struggling with wanting to make sure I spent enough time with each child alone, reading to them or just talking or praying with them, she would say, Val, when you were little, all I thought I had to do for you was to love you and feed you and put you to bed clean and read out loud to you. She sang a lot of hymns to me. And she said, you don't really have to spend extra time individually with each of your children. Of course, she was always overwhelmed that I had three and then four and then five and then six and then seven and then eight. But, uh, and, and you barely do have time to, to do that. But I was thinking of Susanna Wesley who had 10 children, 17 altogether, but seven died in childhood. Um, but for 10 children, she tried to give at least an hour per week, not to all 10, but within the two weeks she gave an hour individually. So that's what I was trying to do. Anyway, my mother was just smiling at me and saying, just love them, take care of them, teach them to be obedient. And that's your main job. She was very affectionate with me. Hugs and kisses were regular, but with um, the Howard family, they were not. So she had determined she would be more affectionate than they had been. Her, her family was the Howards. But the special bedtime routine is, of course, something I remember so well, reading the Bible to me or telling the stories in her own words and then praying with me and always teaching me that my father had given me the good shepherd, Jesus, and that the good shepherd was leading us wherever we were. Elizabeth's daughter, Valerie. We'll be hearing in a little bit about the Elizabeth Elliott uh, social media outreach, but right now it's part four of Child Training, Unconditional Love. This is your friend, Elizabeth Elliott, talking again today with my daughter, Valerie Shepard of Tribuco Canyon, California. The everlasting love that we mention almost every single time we do Gateway to Joy 
is a very different quality of love than that which the world understands, isn't it, Val? Yes. Love that goes on forever, love that's unconditional, broader than all our imaginings. God's love love that is is not afraid to let its children suffer. I've taught a, a hymn to my children called All for Jesus, and I'd love to say some of these verses because uh, even though I don't think my children, especially the younger ones, understand any of what they're singing, I think it's a good principle to teach them words that I think eventually will come back to them as they're older and they'll understand what, what it means. But these are the words. All for Jesus, all my thoughts and words and doings, all my days and all my hours. Let my hands perform his bidding Let my feet run in his ways. Let my eyes see Jesus only. Let my lips speak forth his praise. Worldlings prize their gems of beauty, cling to gilded toys of dust, boast of wealth and fame and pleasure. Only Jesus will I trust. And I love to sing that with my children because I want them to know that Jesus is everything. And Colossians 3.16 says, Let the enriching message of Christ have ample room in your lives. I think many Christians have only given him part of the room of their hearts. And they may think that if they're going to church on Sunday mornings, they're doing what they're supposed to do. And the duty of going to church becomes a duty rather than a joy. But if we give Jesus ample room in our lives, then everything we do with our hands, with our mouths, with our feet, we will learn to do it for the love of Jesus. I love the the idea of God enlarging our hearts spiritually, making us more and more loving because we are seeing more and more of his love and broadening our minds so that we see how many different kinds of people he has in his kingdom, in the family. And he teaches us to love all kinds of people, we as mothers especially, because we have, if we have more than two children, we have all kinds of gifts in our children. I found Hannah Whithall Smith in one of her books said, Lord, deliver me from a cramped and cabined soul. And I remember seeing myself over the past 20 years of my marriage, finding my heart cramped and cabined either because of fear of what people would think of me or cramped because of my lack of desire to love as God loves. And I'm just enjoying the truth that he wants my heart to become larger and larger, more and more kind, more and more sensitive to the needs and and problems of others. I'm afraid I used to look down on people because they had problems, and now I'm finding that God wants to use me to encourage them and help them because of his love and what he's taught me in little ways throughout these years. I heard Gert Bahana say years ago, I found out that I am a snob. I never thought I was a snob, but I realized that I looked down on people who look down on people. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a real truth, isn't it, when we examine our hearts and realize how tight and cramped and without love they are. 
the more we open up ourselves to God, the more cheerful and joyful he makes us to to live for others, to be able to give ourselves unreservedly. And as the saints were described as people who loved with abandon, people who were careless and carefree about showing the love of God no matter what cost it was to them. Another prayer from the Southwell Litany is this, O Lord, save us from pride and self-will, from desire to have our own way in all things. And think of how that cramps our souls when we always get our own way. From overweening love of our own ideas and blindness to the value of others, please enlarge the generosity of our hearts and enlighten the fairness of our judgments. And I think our prayer should daily, hourly be, Lord, enlarge the generosity of my heart. And to raise children for him means we have to deny ourselves and them the pleasure of temporary whims, the, the pleasures of temporary desires satisfied. Your stepfather used to say that he knew a lady who had whims of iron. <laughs> whims that had to be catered to. Mm -hmm. And C.S. Lewis talks about a gluttony of delicacy. Hmm. That caught my attention because Mm -hmm. we think of gluttons as people who eat an enormous amount of food, and he Mm -hmm. was illustrating the gluttony of delicacy, which is equally bad when a woman, for example, says to the waiter or the waitress, all I want is a cup of very hot tea and one teensy-weensy little piece of dry toast. (laughs) Now, that may be a real nuisance for the poor waiter Mm -hmm. or waitress. Mm -hmm. It's not on the menu, Mm -hmm. and she's insisting. She's got whims Mm -hmm. of iron. (laughs) Enlarge the generosity of our hearts and enlighten the fairness of our judgments. God wants to give us more and more grace, and I love the verse in the Psalms that says he waits on high to have compassion on us, and yet we don't go to him to ask for more love in our hearts for other people or to ask for more of this enlarging of our own hearts. He waits on high to have compassion on us, and that blesses me to to believe that verse, to know that he really wants me to come to him continually throughout the day to ask him to make me more generous, more kind, more true to his principles rather than true to my own feelings. Imagine that everlasting love, the Lord of the universe, waiting, waiting for us Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with patience. It's incredible. The love of God is broader than the measure of man's mind, and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. I said earlier this verse from Colossians 3.16, let the enriching message of Christ have ample room in your lives. We need to give God the time that he is worth, and of course he's worth all of our time and more. If if we could understand that fact that uh, he is worthy of all of our worship and worthy of our whole heart's worship and our whole heart's giving. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and 9, I know I've found these verses to be such a comfort when I've felt like I was at the end of myself and I had no more resource or wisdom or anything in myself. 
to be able to be the mother of the children that he'd given me or to be the wife of the husband he'd given me or to be the pastor's wife of the churches we've been in. And 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and 9 says that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. These verses have given me the hope that because he's able to make all grace abound to me in whatever situation I'm in, whatever worry that I'm having with my children or fear of the future or just the fear of myself, the fear that I'm not going to do all that I should do as a mother, God has encouraged me with these verses to tell me that he is able to do much more than I've even thought of or dreamed of, and he will give me the grace for all things at all times. So I must trust him and believe that to happen rather than just keeping it as a verse in my head, but I must act it out, I must practice it. You were talking with us about what the Lord had taught you about hospitality. You were afraid that you couldn't afford to practice hospitality at some time in your life, mm -hmm. and God mm -hmm. has revealed to you that the more you practice hospitality, the more his abundance is poured out. And instead of finding yourselves deprived mm -hmm. because you've entertained these other people, you find yourselves enriched. Isn't that the way exactly. love's demands work? Right. Love's there. demands are that he pours out more and more as we give of ourselves. And I've found that each time we've had people over, it's been a blessing and a joy to have them. And we knew afterwards that we had done what God wanted us to do. But in the preparation for it, in the cleaning up the house or in the preparing for the groceries, I always had this fear. I'm not going to have enough strength to do this. I'm not going to have enough food. And just recently, just about a month ago, uh, I was in tears right before the company came. And I said to Walt, my husband, I said, I just feel like I don't have quite the right food or quite the, quite the right amount. And this particular couple seemed to be the young, up-and-coming, yuppie, successful type couple. And I just felt like I had to have a successful type of meal. And he said, honey, he said, do not worry about what's on the table. He said, what's most important is that we love them and welcome them into our home. And, you know, after that meal, it was it was a blessing. We, we knew that it didn't matter what was on the table. It was simply getting to know them and loving them that was a joy to both of us. Thank you so much for being with us, Vail. You're welcome. challenging task, but a, a very important one. That's Child Training Part 4, Unconditional Love. Hey, are you familiar with the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation and our outreach as far as our website and social media? Here's a friend of Elizabeth, Kathy Gilbert. Elizabeth Elliott is my hero and my friend, and how grateful I am for her website, 
elizabethelliot.org, where you have access to all her resources, her teaching, her books, all the recommendations, her newsletters, and pictures. I love that they've captured so many of the pictures. And follow Elizabeth Elliot Foundation on social media, and you'll get the benefit of quotes from her, pictures from her. May God richly bless you. A good friend of Elizabeth, Kathy Gilbert. Thank you, Kathy. You know, we're blessed to hear from folks uh, various ages and backgrounds as they tell us what the uh, program means to them. Roberta DJ1977 via Apple Podcasts told us, I've been a fan of Elizabeth since I was a teenager in the 90s, but I forgot about her in my child-rearing years, and she fell off my radar. Until my sister suggested this podcast when I was going through some difficult stuff, Elizabeth's no-nonsense message about God's sovereignty and her delivery of her message is precisely what every Christian needs in their lives. She goes on to say, There is no fluffy self-help message here. She will not tell you to take care of yourself first or that you are good enough. Her talks are honest. They're sometimes hard. And they are like a lecture from a little old grandmother who puts you back on the correct path with a little box to the ears. (laughs) I always walk away from an episode with a renewed focus on God and not self. And that's what we all need in this day and age. I only regret that I didn't read her other books when my kids were young. Well, thank you, Roberta, for those thoughts. Well, our time is just about over, but uh, let me remind you to come back next week for more on child training. Love is a choice and self-pity are the topics next time. And thanks for letting us come into your home, your office, along with you as you took that walk wherever we found you. On behalf of the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation, in cooperation with the Bible Broadcasting Network, let me invite you to check out elizabethelliot.org. elizabethelliot.org. More talks, devotionals, videos, and more. Until next time, may God remind you every day you're loved with an everlasting love, and underneath are those everlasting arms.